0: This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to SummerInanin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth and confidence and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 153, and I am interviewing fat positive and feminist fertility coach and author of fat and fertile, Nicola Salmon about how to accept your body, improve your health and fertility without focusing on size and advocating for yourself with health professionals. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summer forward slash 153. Before we begin, let's give a shout out to Liesl St. Arnaud, who left this fantastic review. I am so amped. This podcast rocks and so does the whole movement. For the first time ever, the health world is making sense. Thanks, Summer. Yay. Thank you so much for that fantastic review. If you haven't already done so, please take a minute to leave a review for the show. It helps others to find what you're learning here. It helps me to keep doing what I'm doing and to get this message out there. You can do that by going to iTunes. Click ratings and reviews, and then click to leave a review or give it a rating. And also, you can subscribe to the show. You can subscribe to it via iTunes, via Spotify, via YouTube, and all the different places that it's available, and Stitcher too. Next, don't forget to grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. And as always, you can find everything at thebodyimagecoach.com, which will direct you to my website. Today's guest is Nicola Salmon. She is a fat positive and feminist fertility coach and author of Fat and Fertile. She advocates for change in how fat people are treated whilst accessing help with their fertility. Nicola supports fat people who want to get pregnant using her unique fat positive fertility framework to find their own version of health without diets, advocate for their bodies, relearn how to trust their body and believe in their ability to get pregnant in their current body. I'll just say this episode is going to be applicable to all of you, regardless of whether you you are looking to get pregnant. Uh, We talk a lot about body acceptance, how to change beliefs about your body, how to advocate for yourself with a doctor, how to detach weight from your health. So there is some conversation about fertility in this episode, but there's so much more to it. So hopefully you will get a lot out of it regardless of where you are with fertility or where you want to be or if you are even able to be to uh, have a child. All right, enjoy. Hello, Nicola. Welcome to the show. Hi, Zoma. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Well, let's start out by having you tell everyone what led you to this, this work and wanting to write the book Fat and Fertile.
1: So it's a long story. I'll try and be succinct because I think with all these things, it's kind of these twists and turns that take you places you never thought you'd go. So it all started for me when I was 16 and I was diagnosed with PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a hormonal and metabolic condition. Um, And the doctor told me that I wouldn't be able to have kids. So at that age, I didn't really I don't remember like processing it or like, you know, struggling with it. But obviously, looking back now, it had a huge impact on who I became as a person, my confidence in my body, my confidence in myself. And that really was kind of the major start of my yo-yo dieting. So before then, I'd always kind of, I'd always been aware that I was different from my sister. I have a sister who's three years younger and she's in a smaller body and I always noticed like subtleties between how my mum talked about food with me and her. And we always had kind of different snacks. Maybe mine were a bit lower calorie. But it really ramped up when I was diagnosed with my PCOS. And the doctor said, you know, lose weight, which is a really common advice given to anybody who has PCOS. And that really started my yo-yo dieting throughout my teens, throughout my 20s. And then it was in my mid-20s, I think, when... I was living in London and a guy got shot outside my flat and I suffered from PTSD from that which was post-traumatic stress disorder and as a result of that I tried counselling, I tried uh, medication but what eventually helped me was acupuncture which I'd never had before. had really no idea about alternative therapies um, but it really really helped me and it kind of got me thinking like why does this work? How does this happen? You know what's what is this crazy medicine? And it led me to train as an acupuncturist. And that's in turn led me to specialize in fertility because I was really interested in hormones because of my own stuff that was going on. And then as I was working as an acupuncturist, I realized that there was a huge emotional component around fertility work that maybe wasn't being addressed with my acupuncture. So I trained as a coach and then kind of through all this, I'd met my husband, we got married and we were ready to start our family and I was really expecting it to be this huge battle. I was expecting it to be so hard for us because I was living in a bigger body. I had super irregular cycles. They were still like 100 plus days long. I had no idea if I was ovulating. And um, with both our boys, we got pregnant really easily. And we're so lucky. And it really planted a seed in my mind of, well, if it was so easy for me, why is there so much talk around it being difficult for people in bigger bodies to get pregnant? Why is there this idea that, you know, fat people can't get pregnant? And it kind of, when my boys were a little bit bigger um, and they were starting to explore food and learn about food and start eating I really realized then that I didn't want to pass on all my dieting stuff and all my weight stuff to them so I decided not to lose weight anymore I didn't want to go on any more diets or weigh myself and it left a huge hole in my life because for all of my adult life I'd been this person in a bigger body who was um, pursuing weight loss and I didn't know who I was without that component and that's what kind of slowly led me to discovering health every size discovering intuitive eating on Instagram and kind of through that I really realized that there was still such a huge diet industry in the fertility world like so many people talk about diet if you google fertility then the first thing that's going to come up is fertility diets and what food you should eat and what food you should avoid and it completely blew me away that this kind of dieting industry was was there in the fertility world and no one was talking about how you don't have to lose weight in order to be healthy and you can be in a bigger body and get pregnant and all this stuff and I realized that okay well if nobody else is talking about it then I'm gonna have to show up and start talking about this stuff and slowly I learned about haze and intuitive eating and all the ways that we can support people in bigger bodies, and I so passionate about this that I knew I had to make the information more accessible and that's why I decided to write the book
0: yeah wow that's a that's a really great story and like it you're obviously just meant to do this work like all the pieces kind of came into place for mm. you and it's the book is so well written like and accessible and it fits in so much about how to really focus on uh, your health without it being about weight
1: it was really just all the things that I wish I'd known kind of before I found Health at Every Size and before I found that there was another way of being a fat person without kind of having to lose weight and feel that that was something that I was obliged to do.
0: Yeah, so I'm curious to know, you know, because you talked about body acceptance being a big part of your your process, like what what helped Mm -hmm. you to
1: accept your body? It was a really slow journey. It wasn't something that was, okay, I woke up one day and decided, hey, you know, my body's great. It was really really the the biggest thing was cutting out the scales like that was the thing that I realized that was triggering most for me that I every time I stepped on those scales whatever the number said I wasn't going to be happy you know whether it was a gain a loss or it stayed the same I was gonna berate myself about it so getting rid of that was a really big step for me and that was the thing that's kind of kept me sane I think in terms of my size but for me kind of the thing that's supported me Most is finding movement that I love. So, about two years ago now, I joined a gym and kind of go to classes regularly. And I'd never ever done that in my whole life, apart from like, you know, at high school when we had to do gym. um, I'd never found any form of exercise where I really enjoyed it. Always before this time, I'd used exercise as a punishment for what I'd eaten, for my body, for any, you know, like how I felt about my body. And it was the the very first time that I'd done it just for like feeling good in myself and just for seeing how strong my body was because there's a lot of weightlifting involved. And, you know, I'm just continually amazed with how incredible my body is and all these things it can do. And it's just, yeah, that for me has been so supportive in really encouraging me to just think about how awesome my body is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it's one of the, it's like really helped you to appreciate, appreciate what it can do and take, take the focus away from weight. I know that's like, that's like such a, this is kind of off topic of what the things I wanted to talk to you about. Today, <laughs> like, um, I know that's such a struggle for people is like how to incorporate movement and not have it be about weight. Like, did do you have any thing that like really helped you kind of take weight out of the equation or take that sort of like, focus of like oh well I'll be burning this much cal this many calories calories like that
1: sort of mentality of of calories in calories out related to exercise I mean it's something that it definitely didn't just go away straight away it's still that kind of there was always that thought of oh well maybe if I keep going I'll be smaller or you know x y z but for me focusing on my mental health was really important because I noticed a huge difference in how I felt day to day mentally. And also one of the things that happened almost like instantaneously in the first couple of months was that my periods started to regulate. And for for me, that was such a huge sign that this was having a really positive impact on my health, regardless of how it impacted my weight. I was like, you know, this is obviously doing something so good for my hormones and you know it's obviously having a really positive impact so I think yeah finding a place that's really accepting finding a place you know for me the people really help so the people where I go are so supportive there's no real talk about weight and if there is I mean in a lot of these places it's quite hard to avoid I always make sure I leave the conversation and I always protect myself first around that I'm just really clear about my boundaries about what I'm willing and not willing to engage in yeah, that's good. Really good advice there. And what, one of
0: the things you talk about in the book is is changing beliefs about what it means to be what it means to be fat. Can you talk a little bit about like how you went about that or how you recommend others do that? Because I think that's obviously like such an important piece of cultivating acceptance and being able to change your relationship with healthy behaviors.
1: Mm. So I mean, the way I see beliefs is kind of like a lens in the world. So it's like how you're viewing the world through your beliefs. And I think that whether you know about them or not, they are working on a, a deeper level. And kind of informing the choices that you make in your day to day life and like how you decide what food you want to eat and how you decide what movement you want to do and how you want to spend your free time and how you react to situations. So I think the the biggest step that you can take with kind of uncovering what's going on for you and what's kind of controlling those unconscious decisions is to just really dig into what your beliefs are. So kind of what you believe about being fat, what you believe about your body you know, because so many of us have this like ongoing rhetoric in our head of like, oh, my fat body means that I'm ugly, and fat means that I'm healthy and fat means this, and fat means that, and we're conditioned to believe that. None of that stuff is, you know, when we kind of dig into it, none of it's really true. But because that's the 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 story that we're fed time and time again in all different ways from the media and from our healthcare professionals and from what celebrities say, you know, everywhere, it kind of yeah, it's I think it's about ch- wanting to be aware of those beliefs and then choosing your beliefs. You know, you can change them. And I think by knowing what they are to begin with, it really goes a good way to for you to then decide, do I want to believe that or not? And if the answer is no, then you can choose to change it. Yeah. And you
0: really kind of push people to like find evidence against it, like to, to kind of, you know, try to almost Disprove, to, yeah, yeah. Dis- disprove is a better word. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Science experiment. You can get curious about this stuff and you can really look in the real world and say, you know, well, what do I have to support that? And what what do I have to go against that? And I think by finding that evidence, you always um, find what you look for. Right. So if you believe something, then often, you know, if you believe that every time you see a black cat, something bad happens, then you're going to have that positive bias. So Every time you see a black cat and something bad happens, you'll remember that. Whereas every time you see a black cat and something doesn't happen, you don't remember it. So it's like it's supporting yourself in the kind of the psychology around it and creating these patterns so that you can really reinforce the positive beliefs that you want to have. Nice. So good. You And so I think like this kind of is related to that.
0: But you mentioned you almost didn't write the book
1: oh my gosh, so many times. So it was sat in my desk for six months, kind of 80% written because I was so afraid of being the being a fat person writing this book and what that would mean. So it would mean that I would never be thin again. And, you know, like if, if I became this, you know, person that supported fat people, then I felt that that meant I would be stuck in a fat body. And like, I had to then really unravel those biases and those beliefs. And did that mean that I was never going to be happy? Did that mean that I was always going to face fat phobic beliefs in this world? And you know, I really had to dig deep into what was holding me back from doing it. And, and it was scary, like the the self published the book. So the kind of physical act of it was, you know, it was a learning curve, but I could do it. It was there. But the emotional momentum that I had to kind of gain to press publish on the book was, was a struggle. (laughs) Yeah. Did it help you? Do you feel like it really helped you kind of
0: like, you know, reclaim some power back once you really took a stand and was like, this is how I identify
1: this is what the work I do. Was that helpful for you? Yes. Yeah, totally. It really helped me just stand in it. And I have had, you know, before I published the book, there were at least two or three people who I'd consider my peers either kind of in the fertility world or in the nutrition world who, were really quite vicious to me and quite mean about you know they'd send me messages and tell me that the work I was doing was wrong and that it was really um, unethical and how could I do this to people and yeah like quite you know and it did make me question you know am I doing the right thing like do I really believe this and when it came down to I 100% believe this and the more the more I study the subject the more research I find to support it but people are very stuck in their ways and their beliefs around it and when you start to question that it can really it can really make people mad yes
0: totally well let's let's make those people mad so let's talk about <laughs> um <laughs> the evidence the evidence that you found about weight and fertility because i think the as you mentioned in the book like the myth well you mentioned three myths but you know the biggest one just being that like it's um you know you, you either can't get pregnant or it's like you know, the your weight really impacts your fertility. So what did the evidence say?
1: So I mean I found to start with, a lot of the evidence that I found around fat people and fertility was really fat phobic. So a lot of it didn't take into account some of the really big components that we know affect this science. So weight stigma and weight cycling have a huge impact on how people how people kind of show up in these studies, but they were not taken into account so a lot of the research I think is really flawed and the fact that it also kind of just takes the presumption that fat equals bad and they start on that foundation. So obviously they never de- dig into kind of what's, what's going on beyond that. But yeah, I found so many studies that supported the fact that IVF has the same outcome regardless of your BMI. I found, you know, all the studies that show that although ovulation, because a lot of people in bigger bodies often have PCOS, it's something that's quite common that they go together. But what a lot of the studies say, well, okay, if you're in a bigger body, that means that you can't ovulate. So it's obviously your size that's the problem. And actually, it's not a causation, it's a correlation. And, you know, they both have the same root issues. So it's, it's really kind of digging into that, research and what they're making it mean versus you know based on their biases around fat equals bad rather than what the evidence is actually showing Mm -hmm.
0: and i think you mentioned and you can obviously like mention it correctly because i I might just uh, mess it up here but that there was no evidence that like weight loss improves fertility Mm. is that right
1: Yeah. So there are absolutely no studies. Loads of doctors will say, well, if you lose five to 10% of your body weight, then it will improve your fertility. But there's absolutely no studies that show that there is a dose dependent relationship between losing weight and increased fertility. There's no studies that show that. And, you know, even if, even if, you know, there were studies that showed that they're presuming that, that weight loss is long term and is harmless which we know in both those cases it's not true you know weight loss is not sustainable when you do it intentionally and any form of intentional weight loss can lead to disordered eating and eating disorders and is potentially really harmful so it's yeah there's just so many factors that are just like oh my gosh this is just so crazy
0: mm-hmm. and you you've got like a, uh, you've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old who are we can kind of hear in the background which is totally <laughs> fine but i just <laughs> Yeah, I was just you mentioning it in, been in been case done. anyone's like, are 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 there like wild animals on the loose? <laughs> I always that's what it sounds like in my house, I know.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're my, yeah, they're my two boys, which I conceived in a big body and gave birth naturally in my big body, which again, the news doesn't really like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But such, so, so amazing. Um, So, so yeah, like I think, you know, with, with clients that I've, I've worked with and people have always come to me and it's like, they go to the doctor when they're first trying to get pregnant and immediately the doctor is like, well, you have to lose weight. So, so what is your advice to someone who's been told they must lose weight to get pregnant?
1: So the, the first advice, which I would always give, is can you change doctors? If you can change doctors, find a doctor who's able to support you in your current body. That is the easiest well it's not easy but it's the easiest option to go for if you are able to change doctors find someone who's able to be more supportive you can you know before you change doctors you can ask the, your potentially doctors questions about you know how do you support people in bigger bodies do you, you kind know, of consider BMI to be an issue? Do you have you heard of health at every size? You know all these things you can ask to assess whether they're going to be better practitioners for you. If you're not able to do that, or you can't find anybody else you think is going to be more suitable in your area, then I would 100% recommending like really starting to dig into how you can advocate for your body. So this could look like asking more questions. This could look like you know asking for what the alternatives are. What would you recommend for someone in a smaller body? You know, what is the evidence that you have that losing weight is going to help this condition? You know, there are so many questions that you can ask, but we're so used to with our healthcare professionals being in a position where they are in charge and they have all the power when actually... You know, we're in a position in our society now where we can almost kind of like level out that playing field and we can we should be the ones making informed choices around our healthcare and we should be consenting to the treatment based on all the evidence. So what the options are, are there any alternatives? What if we did nothing, what the research is. So we need all that information to make informed consent around any treatment for our body. So I think going in and asking all these questions and being a really difficult patient is so important when you you want to access healthcare, which you deserve and you should get, but sometimes isn't always given to you immediately if you're in a bigger body.
0: Yeah. And I like framing it of of like being a difficult patient, like almost just like owning it. Like, okay, I'm mm. going to be, you know, in, in quotation marks, I think. But yeah, um, this should yeah. be how everybody does it, but not everybody does. Yeah. Well, I think, as you said, it's just like, Especially as, as like the way that women have been conditioned to just sort of be obedient and not, not really challenge authority and things like that. So, I think it and to be more like a people pleaser, and so you know, it's hard, it's hard for people even to request not to be weighed at the doctor or to have a blind weigh in because, you know, we, we just like, we don't want to like cause any kind of conflict or be a, like a difficult patient. So I think to, to your suggestion of just sort of like being a difficult patient, you know, mm-hmm. even though you're not technically difficult, you're just really advocating for yourself is um, kind of a helpful way to reframe it or think about it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I um, have been the classic good girl, you know, I know how difficult it is to have those conversations. And I hate any form of conflict and confrontation. But it is, you know, you need to do it. And when I gave when I was giving birth and pregnant with my first child, that was really the first time that I ever stood up and advocated for myself because I was told that I couldn't have a home birth I was told that I couldn't have a water birth which is what I wanted and I did the research I realized that actually there wasn't enough research to support their decision and I had that difficult conversation and I was so glad that I did and it was so empowering because I ended up getting what I wanted I mean I I had their agreement in the end I didn't have the birth that I wanted but I was so happy that I'd stood up for myself and I think it's really important to acknowledge that these conversations take so much emotional energy sometimes, and it's okay if you don't have that emotional energy right now to give to that conversation, or you have that conversation through floods of tears, or you need someone else there to help you and support you while you advocate for yourself. All those things are really valid. You just have to get through that conversation however you can.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important. And so let's talk about the, the fat positive framework that you, that you recommend yeah, do, do you want to just kind of dive into like the, an overview of, of that to tell everyone about? Yeah. How, and I feel like this is what I was saying um, to you before we started recording is that like you could really use this for just your health in general. It's not even like, obviously, the book is geared towards people trying to improve fertility, but I feel like anyone could benefit from this framework.
1: Mm, totally. I mean, these when I was kind of really thinking about what the key components were for supporting people in bigger bodies these are really the four things that stand out that might be really different from somebody else who's in a smaller body because these are the things that are just kind of can be tricky to wrestle with so it's it's based on four key components so the first one the f in the fat positive is about formulating a healthcare plan that doesn't involve weight loss and um dieting. And if you've been in a bigger body for any kind of length of your life, or even if you haven't, so much of what your health means is defined by what the scales say or what diet you're on or how many calories you're eating. You know, even like friends that I have that are in smaller bodies can be completely obsessed by their macronutrients and kind of how much fat and protein and, and all this and all that and whether it's keto or you know and it's it's a cra it's a crazy way to live. And yeah, just being able to reframe your health in terms of you know how much energy you want to have and how much sleep you're getting and how how does it feel to be in your body and how is your mental health you know all these things that actually have a really impactful way on your life like they make such a huge difference to how you live your life day in day out i think they're so important and measurable ways that you can look at your health and then the a is for advocating so really learning how to stand up and support your own health and ask and get what you need from that because you know this is something I wish we didn't have to do but people in bigger bodies and other marginalized groups really do have to advocate for their health and ask for what they need and what they want to get from their health care providers. The third one is trust so T for trust um, and because so many people have been on diets and have been told from external sources you know what you should eat and how you should do this and how you should not listen to your body and just keep working and you know we're in a society where we've got to do 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 and that's what you're supposed to do there's no room for rest in that there's no room for okay well take it easy when you know you're on your on your period or you know as women are cyclical nature means that our energy and our food varies over the month or over you know however long that our cycle is and we're not taught how to engage with our body and listen to our body's signals we're just told to kind of override them and to eat at meal times and to work consistently and to never take breaks so i think relearning your cues of your body and kind of getting in touch with that is can be so important in creating a really nurturing relationship with your body rather than being at war with it so many people are both in terms of dieting and in terms of if you can't get pregnant when you want to that can really create a conflict between you and your body Mm -hmm. yeah and then the last yeah and the last one is the positive bit so that again is creating a positive mindset around being in a bigger body wanting to get pregnant and Just making sure that we're switching these beliefs around so that you are supporting yourself and not kind of just beating yourself with a stick day in day out about what you're eating and how you're showing up and if your doctor's telling you that you can't get pregnant because you've got you're too big and you know all these messages that you're continually fed so it's about yeah just creating a really safe place for you to be inside your head even if all the messages outside your head are telling you that you're wrong and you're bad and you don't deserve this and you know all the crap that we're fed
0: yeah it's uh, like that's it's so challenging and I think it takes a lot of courage and um to to be able to stand up to that stuff and resilient mm. to become resilient to it like it's uh yeah I, I had a client who went through that and um you know like doctor like wanted her to lose weight while, while she was pregnant too and um mm. you know which I'm sure you can speak to is probably like the worst thing that you should be doing but she was able to kind of you know stand up to it and resist it because she had done the the work going into it Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah and I think those skills are things that can kind of stay with you for life and you know what they're doing is once you've learned them and then you become a parent you are teaching those things to your children and then your children are going to be better human beings for it right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh how like uh, on that topic how do you suggest people deal with
0: unwanted advice and, and comments about their body or, or health
1: i really think depends on where you are in terms of your emotional and mental strength at the time um leaving the conversation is really the easiest thing to do if you're just feeling like you've had enough and you've just got no mental bandwidth for that crap Questioning people can be really helpful, you know, asking them why they believe that. And re- But yeah, again, it depends on who the comments are coming from. Obviously, with doctors, you kind of want to be like, well, what's what evidence have you got to support that? But with kind of, quote unquote, concerned family members and friends, it's easy just to change the topic if you feel that, you know, that's not a conversation that you want to have. Or you can offer them some Resources, so people on, you know, kind of Instagram that you follow that you feel might be helpful to supporting them. Or, I mean, with my husband, what I did was I just asked him, I said, Look, I am not talking about diets anymore. I don't want to talk about the food that I'm eating. I'm on a journey to really rediscover what my body wants to eat. And I don't want you to comment on the food that I'm eating or the decisions I'm making around my health. Mm -hmm. And he respected that. And that was a really powerful thing for me to do. And sometimes I have to remind him that it's not his place to comment on that. But yeah, I think just asking for what you need from the people around you who are there to support you and want to support you through this. Um, Because again, this may not be something they've ever heard of before. It's maybe something that's completely alien to them. And we've all been kind of steeped in this diet culture soup. So when learning it can be challenging. But if you give people um, some tools and some guidance as to how you want to be treated and stick with your boundaries around that. So if people slip, you just say, you know, I really don't want you to comment on that. Or, I really don't want to talk about diets with that or yeah. And if people are still being crap around it and still not um, honoring your boundaries, then they don't have to be in your life anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is hard, but also yeah. Yeah, like, you know, boundaries are hard.
1: Yeah. Sure even if it's a short amount of time, you know, like you need to be away from them for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Your mental health should be completely the number one of your priority.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the, one of the things I wanted to make sure I talked to you about was, um, IVF. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've worked with, or I've, I've worked with people before, I've heard from people before that they've gone to try to get IVF and they've been told they they're not allowed, um, because of their BMI. So, you know what is your advice to someone who's who's experiencing something like that
1: it is hard and the problem we have in our country in the uk is that we have the nhs which is free at point healthcare system and people um are getting turned away because of this bmi criteria and you know it's expensive to go to private clinics and this just means that some people are never going to be parents and for this hoop, they, you know, people feel that they ha- have to lose weight in order to jump through this hoop to access the free healthcare, And it is frightening. I mean, there are some clinics that will support you no matter your BMI and, you know, look for those clinics. Um, if you need some, like some guidance, some advice, you know, send me a message on Instagram or, or via email and I can see if I can help you find a clinic that will support you. But those clinics are going to be the ones where you'll get the best support as well, because... They are not going to be fat shaming you if they understand about health at every size and why the BMI limit is absolutely appalling. Um, but yeah, the actual BMI limit itself, BMI is is not an individual measure of health. It means absolutely nothing. The um, the boundaries are completely arbitrary. The BMI of thirty is just a nice round number for the clinics to use. Yeah, there's no evidence. <laughs> Which <is> just <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's bad. Yeah. There's no evidence to support the fact that anybody over a BMI, you know, if your BMI thirty point one, it's going to have any difference than somebody who's a BMI of twenty nine point nine. Yeah, and it's it's just and it's just an access thing. It's just something that the clinics use to stop people in bigger bodies getting access to fertility treatment because they believe that they, um, you know, are going to have risks, higher risks in pregnancy. And there are higher risks in pregnancy for people in bigger bodies. But that should be something that people in bigger bodies consent to, you know, make them aware of the risks so they can consent to that. And we should be looking at why those risks actually exist. Because again, you know, weight stigma, weight cycling, all this has a huge impact on these risks. And then one of the biggest things that I see arguments for not providing um IVF to people in bigger bodies is to do with like the future health of the child and there's Mm -hmm. absolutely no evidence to support that Mm -hmm. there is no evidence to support that people in bigger bodies will then have unhealthy children and then will then be bad parents it's just this horrible horrible idea that people have you know created and we know that health is created by you know kind of socio-economical factors much more than any food that people will eat and any you know movement they'll do and any of the factors that they can control it's just yeah it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's so
0: hard and I think like in a lot of countries it's just it is something that people have to pay for unless they have mm. some kind of at least here in Canada like you would have to pay for it unless you had unless by some stroke of luck, your employer had like this, this really, really comprehensive benefit plan.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I think here as well, like there's limits on the BMI. So for some people, they would literally just be shut out of that, unless Mm -hmm. they did something to, you know, you know, to try and to change their BMI, which we know is not sustainable. And, can impact your overall health and mental health and everything else. So, but it, I mean, people will go to that risk just to, to be able to have a family, which I, I understand, like I, especially having yeah. a child now, like I, I, get that. Um, but it's just, uh, it's, it's an awful way that we, stigma impacts, um, impacts people's lives. Yeah.
1: It's so sad that it's, yeah. And it's completely understandable why people would jump through that hoop to get their family, but again, you know, this is something that I'm trying to encourage people to do now if they have the energy is to push back at the clinics and to, you know, I have like a free research download that you can get off my website, which will, you know, it's just a summary of all the, the research that I've got in my book to give to clinicians to give to doctors so that they can look into this and maybe, you know, slowly, slowly, we can change this completely arbitrary and ridiculous BMI limit. Yeah, good. Well, it's so great that you put together
0: so many resources. There's lots of resources that you mention in your book, like exercises and resources. And, you know, as I said, like, I think even if you're someone who maybe has diabetes or PCOS or like another health condition, and you're like, how do I manage my doctor's just telling me I need to lose weight, like, you could totally use your book for this as well, even (laughs) though, even though like, it's, it's, you know, it's for fertility, but it's, it's so much bigger than that. Like, you really are just talking about like, okay, let's shift the way you think about health, let's focus on other factors and take weight out of the equation and, and give you tools to advocate better for yourself at the doctor.
1: Yeah. And I think having those tools yourself and just empowering yourself with that information is, is just so vital.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you so much for being here today. We've covered a lot, which is amazing. <laughs> like I think, you know, this, this episode is going to be applicable to everyone, even if they're not um, trying to get pregnant. So where can people find more of
1: you? So I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram handle is fatpositivefertility. Um, and then I've got my website, which is nicolasalmon.co.uk.
0: Perfect. Great. Thank you so much for being here today. It's awesome. And as I said, the book is really great. I, I thoroughly Thank enjoyed you. it. So people can get it on. It's on Amazon. I found it on Amazon, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's on Amazon, your website. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great little guidebook. Thank you summer. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Rock on. I feel like we covered a lot in that interview. I love it when things go that way and we can get to so many of the points that I wanted to touch on and have so many topics covered. So hopefully you got a, a lot out of that as well. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 153. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.